0: Hello, everyone, a very warm welcome to another exciting episode of Psychology Talks. And today we're going to discuss how to achieve peak performance. In generally, uh, employees are overworked. They are stressed because tight lines are short and they're always required to deliver more than what they have been actually uh, expected for. So there's a constant pressure on them to perform well, to be among the peak performers. To some extent, they can achieve. Usually, some uh, employees do achieve peak performance. But the main problem is that they cannot sustain that performance during the long term. Long as you can, as it is a general fact that, you know, uh, if there is a too much stress, it is likely to lead uh, burnout. So that's why I have invited today uh, my guest speaker who has developed a program uh, from very, from where she actually used the principle of science and psychology to develop this program and she provides coaching to sustain that peak performance over the long time. Uh, her name is Carla uh, Carla Fowler. Fowler. Uh, she is the double doctor. She is the doctor, like the medical doctor and the PhD doctor. So when I actually got to know about her, I was so inspired that, oh my God, that she is like not only the doctor in the medical way, but also a PhD doctor so let's uh, and she's also a founder of taxa elite executive coaching uh company and her performance enhancement principles are so unique and so practical that it delivers result so let's welcome dr carla hello dr uh, carla thank you so much for joining us today
1: oh thank you so much ambarim for having me and good afternoon
0: yeah, and uh, good afternoon, good morning, or good night, <laughs> I mean, good evening, uh, To because a lot of people are joining from across the world, and a lot of people have already yeah. joined, and those who have joined, please let us know from where are joining, and if you have any question or if you have comment, please uh, keep it coming, and we'll just in, uh, include your comment or question during our discussion, and I so Andrea has joined, Mark, uh, Mark, Marco has joined, Deepak has joined, Farheen, Dr. Mansoor, Karen. So thank you so much for joining today. Uh, and I hope you will enjoy our today's session and you will learn a lot because we have an amazing personality, Dr. Carla. She is the best in her field, and uh, she knows how to sustain performance over the longer period of time. So um, Dr. Carla, thank you so much for <laughs> joining us today. It is an honor to have you today. I have given a little bit of introduction uh, to our audience, but just tell us a little bit more about uh, how, what actually inspired you to do, do doctor, I mean PhD <laughs> and, then a doctor, and then to develop this program. So just tell us maybe a little sure. bit more about how your early life and then maybe how you yeah. why you <laughs> this particular field
1: <laughs> well um it's it's interesting so uh mm-hmm. i i did not set out you know to go on the exact path that i ended up taking um i wasn't mm-hmm. someone who grew up even knowing that i wanted to be a doctor um, but when i was young uh, what i did know is that i really liked math and science I think I liked the idea that the world was full of challenges or puzzles that could be solved and that you could have some principles or methodology around it to help you work through problems. And so I think as a young person, That was something that really drew me to those fields and um the other thing that of course my family always jokes about is that i think i've been interested in high performance from a very young age and you know when you're young uh you think about it like oh who you know performs well at the track meet you know maybe in in the sports realm or uh you know you're aware of like who performs well at school but i was always really interested in how it was that people did that and learning from other people, watching other people. But also I was really interested in using myself as like the, the test subject <laughs> and just really trying a number of different things. So that was what I, I think I was like as a young person and I, I love sports. So I loved math and science. And I, I went off to uh, become an engineer because that was the one job I knew of that was a very sort of mathematically uh, based job. But, I rapidly uh, in college realized that I was interested in human problems. So I really wanted to have more access to um, helping human beings directly. And so that was how I steered my course more towards medicine. And then there's a funny story uh, that I had a friend in college who told me they had these programs where you get an MD and a PhD and that actually they would pay for your education if you did both instead of, uh, in, in the United States, obviously for medical school, you pay a lot of money to go. And I was like, wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. And also, um, (laughs) it sounds like a really good deal. And so that is how I started on what was almost a 10 year training program to both be trained as a medical doctor and to get a PhD. And I think some of the things that I found most gratifying about that were both learning how to talk with people and help them think through really high stakes decisions about their medical care and their health and really connecting with them, um, trying to be strategic about it, but like learning that skill of being able to dialogue and, and work with them in that way. And from my scientific training, I think one of the most gratifying pieces was really learning how to think hard about a problem that had a lot of uncertainty in it. Um, so as a scientist, you show up every day to work and your job is actually to learn something that nobody else knows yet. And so there is this uncertainty just built into the job and you're learning how to create structure where there's no structure and um, how to go about that investigative process. So uh, you can fast forward to the part where I'm now having to choose what specialty to go into And this is where a really big challenge and pivot came for me. And that was that I never quite found my home in medicine. So I went off to train in surgery because I loved the high performance of the surgeons. You know, there's a physical art to it, but there's also like a decision-making art to it. You always have to decide, are we going to operate? or are we not going to operate and that's a very binary choice um it's not a nuanced choice it's you can't try a little bit of the medicine like you can in other specialties you have to decide and then you have to own the consequences of that decision um but i also really liked the more kind of human-centric piece of psychology and psychiatry and you know the psychiatrists were like carla you would have a home here um you you know have some natural instincts around this. And so I came to this challenge of not quite finding my home because what I really wanted was both of those things. I wanted to think about the psychology of high performance and do that, but I also wanted to create a place where I could really connect with people and their challenges as they're going after their goals. And so that is actually what led me to found a practice that was outside of medicine that was more entrepreneurial and that was in the coaching field. And then to take all the things I'd been learning and use them in a really different way to create a methodology, to work with people using performance science. And so that is what I did 10 years ago. And I will tell you, it was not a popular decision. (laughs) I think it shocked a lot of people. Um, and you know, building a business, you start from zero, like you don't have clients, you have to pitch people. Um, so that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. And I, um, I'm, I'm happy to report that like, yeah, it took a lot of work. I had to put a lot of my own performance <laughs> principles to work for myself. And um, it does take a lot of endurance, but um, I really love the methodology that I've built. And um, it's, it's really exciting to see, um, and also to get to share now, like in our conversation, mm-hmm. some of the ideas that I've found to be most useful. So, yeah,
0: that's uh, that's uh, quite uh, quite much <laughs> and, and quite inspiring to be honest. Because uh, two things that I actually got from your conversation now, it's basically you 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 followed your passion, and which is not easy because as I mentioned that you know when you try to follow thing like you actually do the doctor a complete your medical doctor right so people actually expect you to work and do the job but you actually (laughs) chose to actually do the phd and then again that's uh, somehow of course it was there was some link to it that you said that they will pay for it but again there is always a lot of resistance from people to you know they may push you to mm-hmm. what they think is right for you. But yes. I'm glad that you followed your passion. And then, as you mentioned, that you always driven to understand that how or what to, what are the basic components that makes like, performance better or to uh, yes. help a human to achieve a peak performance. So that mm-hmm. is something like not everybody can do it. <laughs> and I'm glad that you did it. So, yeah, you. that's uh, that's really uh, heartening to see that people follow their passion despite whatever people say to them and not to follow that. So that's amazing. And then a lot of people are actually saying a lot of things like congratulations. And that's a great story. And so <laughs> thank you so much for your uh, comments uh, uh, about this. Okay so moving on to the discussion that has you uh, said that you know you have discovered some of the uh, the, the principles that creates uh, peak performance so in your opinion what are the basic what are these basic principles that can help people to achieve peak performance mm-hmm. under this stressful situation
1: yeah well, one of the interesting things about performance science is the first job that I had to do as I was thinking yeah. about how to make it really applicable for people, um, mm-hmm. because I, I didn't want it to be an academic exercise. Like I had moved yeah. out of academia. I didn't want to be there, you know, publishing, just thinking and publishing. I wanted to mm-hmm. work with people and help them use it. And um, so one of the first things I actually had to do was start to distill all of the ideas out there to kind of sort through the noise, um, and try and understand what was really most important, because I think that, um, one of the challenges can be, we all read things on LinkedIn or, you know, in the popular news or the blogs, and there are just so many ideas, do this, don't do this, do this. Like, and it's overwhelming. And as you said, many people are overworked and the idea of even getting started on it, uh, when there's that much input and it's hard to tell what's true, what's not, what's going to work for you, what's not, So I think that's one of the first challenges we often have to overcome. But for me, I tried to simplify like all of the ideas I hear into like three big buckets. And the buckets that I break performance science down into are number one, you can think about the idea of strategy or focus. And it's this thought that um, not everything you do has an equal impact towards the goals that you have. And so one of the first jobs we have is to say, "Mm, what are really the most important or the most impactful things I could do versus trying to figure out how we will do all of it. So instead we take the standpoint of, I will absolutely not do all of it. And instead my job is to figure out and to pick and choose and be selective. And so, like the first principle I always start with in that strategy bucket is this idea of brutal focus. And I call, I call it brutal focus mm-hmm. because when we look around, we have this sense that everyone is doing everything right. Like everyone yeah. else is doing it all. Somehow we are the only person who is limited by the <laughs> <That's> 24 hours. <laughs> absolutely, and, yes. Um, And that, I mean, that's like, it feels lonely and it just, you know, we feel like we're failing, but really everyone has to choose. And so it feels a little painful because uh, normally to really start to approach a goal we have when we don't have a lot of time, we have to be more selective than we are normally. And often that means letting go of some things and it feels a little painful because it feels (laughs) not normal. So that is brutal focus really getting clarity about what of all the things you could want do you want the most and then secondly what's really most important um to get there so that's like yeah. principle number 1 from the strategy Amazing. bucket yeah. and we could certainly talk about the other two buckets and my other two big principles after that yeah. was like a good place to go next
0: yeah i mean that's uh so much i can is choosing what to actually give attention to is the most important thing because as you mentioned that you know people are doing lots of things that doesn't mean that we have to follow whatever they are doing we need to find out what are our capabilities what are our like you know uh our passion for that so you know what are our interests and uh, like a few days ago i actually shared uh, my post i have lots of interest <laughs> to be honest uh, because i like to paint i like to cook i like yes. to do like spirituality thing. but i need to focus where i am and find myself right i do have lots of interest i do maybe i do paint and draw but need to focus that exactly you're good at or what gives you the most satisfaction so completely relate to what you're saying so now i'm just uh, i'm really want to really want to understand uh, to uh, hear from you about the two other buckets that you mentioned
1: okay yeah awesome yeah. so we talked about first bucket is strategy yeah. like if we can start by being selective and really focus about which ones to do Then the second bucket is really about execution. So once we've identified, okay, what do we think is going to give us the most impact? Then we have to think about, well, what might be the most effective or efficient way to actually do those things? And at work often we're actually, it's not us doing the things. It may be us helping our team do the thing, right? Like where the execution happens, not just as a single player game, but also with a group of people. And, um, what I have found is is really the most important principle in this area, and it is both true for ourselves, but also true if we are a leader of people, is this idea of um, helping ourselves learn how to cultivate power. And what I mean by that is, uh, there's a couple different areas that we could think about having influence on what happens and really mm-hmm. making things happen. And uh, so I think, number one, like we know how to have sort of discipline or how to motivate ourselves to Mm -hmm. do something, to do something new, to approach it, to build some momentum with it, is a wonderful thing to be thinking about. And um, I certainly have some tools of how I approach that. Uh, But secondly, um, sometimes there's a new skill we need to learn or we need to help our teams learn how to do something new, have some failures, like that's okay, that's a piece Mm -hmm. of the learning process and um and learn how to build their capabilities and of course workplaces where we feel like we're being developed uh, and there's room for growth are often way more engaging and satisfying than workplaces where we feel stuck where there aren't opportunities for that Um, and i think it relates back to again that sense of like are we growing in our power and our ability to influence and make things happen that we want to have happen um So, um, and then I think the third piece of cultivating power is often about visibility. So it's Mm -hmm. not just saying what our performance is, but it's also saying, are people seeing my performance? Uh, you know, and in the workplace, of course, sometimes that is the boss seeing my performance. Like am Mm -hmm. I able to showcase my team's performance so that other teams are aware and can recognize them for that. Um, so, that's kind of a third piece that I think is sometimes missed is, um, how are we creating a network for ourselves? How are we making our performance visible? So people yeah. know that the value we can bring. So that's yeah. like my second principle around, um, just that execution bucket. When
0: yeah, one, actually one question that is, you mentioned that yes. these are like, um, because I think this thing because they're doing but they don't know how to make themselves visible because could be because of their personality because they could be introvert or they don't know how to present themselves simply they could be like extrovert or they don't know how to so what are what do how do you recommend that they should make themselves visible
1: great question and there's a couple different context in which this might happen. So one context we could take is just, uh, in thinking about networks as, um, a source, like a good, a great asset that we have. Um, and when I think about networking, I actually think about like one-on-one relationships with people, whether it's across your industry or your communities, um, who you are interested in and, uh, who you are sharing with and you are letting them share with you. And so, one of the ways we create visibility is simply by when we meet with people, like being curious about what they're doing. So you're giving them the opportunity to be visible to you and also, um, really being ready to share what you're doing. They're yeah. interested. Um, you know, it's not, um, it's not bragging. It's not, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, too much, like, look at me, look at me, um, <laughs> particularly if you're doing it in a conversation. So that's just like yeah. one example that, um, again, it makes a coffee meeting way more interesting when yeah. someone else <laughs> gets the chance to share with you, like, what are you excited about these days? What are you really proud of? What's your team been yeah. up to? These are wonderful gift questions you can ask someone. Mm-hmm. And um, and similarly, you can say, well, I'm really excited to tell you about something that we recently finished that I'm just feeling really proud about, or I see a lot of opportunities um, going forward and I wanna collaborate. So like, let's, let's talk about it. Um, you know, in the workplace, creating visibility is, um, sometimes can feel a little more challenging. Just, again, um, the sense of not wanting to be overly self-promoting, you know, we may have Mm -hmm. all seen those people who were just like, ugh
0: yeah that's true all the time just they all the talks and no you know, no, no work or yeah. no
1: actions yeah but yeah um, but also like we have to look for opportunities and ways that there's actually value in you communicating uh and sharing what you're accomplishing so for example sometimes yeah. one-on-ones um, if that is a piece with someone who is above you or um, with, with your peers, for example, um, being able to talk about things from the standpoint of why is it valuable for them to know what we're up to? Yeah. And when you approach it from that standpoint, um, you both get to showcase your team or showcase yourself, but you're also actually giving something to the group. So that for example, they know like, Oh, you know, if you figured out that problem, we're having something similar happening in our group. Hey, can we meet and chat about that? Or, um, also, you know, if you can frame it in the sense of, Hey, we're moving forwards with this thing, which is actually going to help our group win, uh, at some future opportunity or challenge that's happening. Um, that's another way, for example, someone could frame something to make Mm -hmm. it visible, but, um, not, have it just feel like shameless uh, (laughs) self-promotion.
0: Absolutely (laughs) wonderful advice. I think the the two points that I actually uh, gained from your conversation today now, it's basically to be more intentional and not just uh, be uh, focusing on bragging about uh, your achievements or something. It's all about sharing what you're doing not just you know or make it more like a conversation like it's what I've seen like people feel that you know you just don't need to uh, talk about uh, the other things maybe you can talk about work but in a way that can link with you and relate to you so uh, and that could be that should be natural I would say it shouldn't It shouldn't look that you're promoting yourself. Otherwise, as you said, they're like people who are actually talking about and they just they're more like, you know, all the talks and no action. So be more authentic and be more natural in a way. So I think that that can help. Okay, so I'm also excited about the third bucket. <laughs> so third bucket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: well, the third bucket, I think, is all about our mindset. So now we're back, we are at the psychology. <laughs> um, yeah. And you could think about that. That third bucket is, you know, if we've kind of selected what we think is most important and we focus that now we're thinking about the execution, how do we um, create that influence for ourselves so we can get things done or our teams can get things done. Um, and then that third bucket is really about, well, how do we sustain motivation? How do we sustain or find our confidence? Like what, what is it that fuels you know, a lot of the effort that goes into those other two buckets. And so that's where we end up at mindset. And I have found that one of the most challenging things around mindset or the psychology of it is often, um, how we face uncertainty, like how we face situations where we feel like we don't have control and, um, the thought of, you know, how do we learn to thrive even in those settings that are particularly challenging for us as human beings. So uh, my principle in this area is to help folks learn to relish uncertainty. And Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) the the thing about it is that we sometimes equate uncertainty with risk. So sort of the negative side of opportunity, but also areas where there's uncertainty are also places that have the most opportunity. And, and this is, um, it's also a place where we have the opportunity to do something that scares us. That is a challenge and we actually get to overcome it. And I have found that that is actually one of the most motivating things, both Mm -hmm. for a team to do together, but also just as individuals, um, when we feel stagnant and like, we're not growing, even if things are easy and we are accomplishing them, we don't feel at our peak. We don't yeah. actually feel fully expressed. And so in some ways, uncertainty is necessary for us yeah. to have that feeling of like, I did it and I believe I could do it again. And in fact, I actually see that maybe I could do something even more challenging. And yeah. so this is these are some of the ideas that I bring up and I explore with folks around where can uncertainty be good? Mm-hmm. And how yeah. might we learn to appreciate that? Um, and yeah. one of the ways that I help people practice is this idea of um, running good experiments. So I oh, love science. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love That's science good. and you can't take the scientist out of me. And so mm. I love to think about science outside of the lab in our own lives where we say, yeah. I have a hypothesis about something mm. I wanna try to overcome a challenge or improve my performance. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to design an experiment. Like here's maybe I'm going to try something different as I present to the meeting, uh, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to try it for at least three meetings, for example, so that Mm -hmm. I make sure I really get the hang of running it in the new way. And then I'm going to ask people for feedback. Or I'm going to record my own feedback of like, how did it feel like, did it feel better? Um, and you could even define other ways. You might, uh, decide whether it was more effective. Like, for example, did more people follow through on what they committed to, uh, for example. And, um, and then you can define and think about like, okay, do I want to keep doing that? And sometimes it works. You know what? Sometimes it doesn't work. (laughs) <laughs> and that's okay, because it's just one, just one experiment. And so I love this as a way to try things and to lean into uncertainty, but in safe, manageable ways.
0: Uh, I absolutely love this because the idea of uncertainty is actually mostly negative. Of this term uncertainty, because they, all the time, if you in a corporate world, uh, people are trying to make a strategy to remove this uncertainty from their uh, you know its strategy and from their marketing plans or all these plans. But the way you actually reframed uh, the thought process and taking the uncertainty as a force to push it forward, this is simply amazing. And uh, but. Again, I would just say that, as you mentioned, that experiment can be failure also. So I understand that, like maybe one time it's okay to fail. But what happens if you fail multiple How to because you know initially one is enough to the failures. But if you keep on facing these kind of failures or
1: maybe a setback. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? That is a great question. So yeah. one of the things I like about running experiments is that you always get the moment to change how you're doing something. And sometimes if something's really not working, that's mm-hmm. actually data to listen to. And and rather um, the reaction doesn't have to be um, like to feel bad about yourself, but instead mm-hmm. to say, there's something interesting happening here and I need to understand it. Um, and certainly, uh, just as a way to mitigate, if you're out running experiments, particularly in the workplace, you can always tell people that what you're doing. So for example, um, and I think that also can take some pressure off if you let like your mentor or your boss know, like, Hey, I'm working on my presentation skills. I'd like to be more effective in meetings. I'm going to be trying some things. And Mm -hmm. so just wanted to give you the heads up, like my thought is they will be better, but it's possible that they won't be. And so, um, but it lets the other person know you are being intentional. Uh, so back to what you said of Mm -hmm. like the intentionality, but back to this idea of like, yeah, running experiments and not getting success is really hard. I had many (laughs) days like that in the lab and, um, But one of the things my mentor really just like kind of infused in me was to get out of the mindset of like, I failed or this didn't work or it's broken and much more into the like, what is this trying to tell me? And to really just think about where does it point me to look next? Um, and so sometimes if you've had a couple of like, let's just say failures in a row, that's a good time to take a step back and say, how good are my feedback loops? Like how much yeah. do I trust them? And if you do trust them and you're like, no, those are good feedback loops, then just say, great, I'm going to run a different type of experiment. So you don't have to keep like banging your head against the same mm-hmm. wall. Yeah. And, um, but I think separating yourself from the, the experiment and the data is helpful. Um, one other suggestion, these are just some I don't know if you want to call them like a mantra or just like helpful quotes to remember are um yeah. <laughs> there yeah. is more than one good way to get somewhere and so this is like if something's Amazing. not yeah. working it's okay to try different methodology um there's more than one good place to get to I mean the number of yeah. major it's... scientific breakthroughs that were actually mistakes that then led somewhere that we hadn't even conceived of um yeah become really interesting. Uh, and then the last piece I say is, give your future self some credit. (laughs) (laughs) I trust your future self because, um, like you don't always have all the data in this moment to solve the future's problems, but you can trust yourself to be capable and thoughtful in the future when you actually do encounter those things. And so I, I find that those can be very helpful as well.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Actually, what I feel is that you know when you face uh, when faced like these failures and something, and as you mentioned that we need to change the way we think about it. As you know, it's, if these are the pointers that maybe uh, from the universe we are getting, that maybe it leads to somewhere else. It's not necessarily like you know sometimes uh, we are it's stuck to the. Problem itself that okay we need to find the solution from for the same problem. It's it's not something like you know we need, we don't need to get ourselves stuck to, a situation or to one another. It's just about finding mm-hmm. um, ourselves to look at the possibilities and opportunities. I think that's way to uh, to find new ways. And as you mentioned, uh, you know. It could be the mistake that could lead to somewhere else. And and I would just also point out here that you know it's always a journey that we should enjoy, not the destination just in mind that oh we reach there no There are different ways, different routes, and they could be different people. So that's one thing that we need to keep in mind all the time. So I know this is such a Wonderful topic. (laughs) And we can keep talking about it. But unfortunately, that we are reaching to the end of the show. And uh, uh, we can definitely have another talk to you. So before I talk to you, what one piece of advice would you give to our audience today to achieve peak performance during the stressful time?
1: (laughs) Well, um, this is actually an orthogonal piece of advice because I think we spent a lot of the show talking about the principles of peak performance. And I think Mm -hmm. one of the things we miss sometimes when we're doing it is that we sort of feel that peak performance has to happen by like putting our, our head down and grinding. And the truth is when we try to sustain performance over a long period of time, my advice is Also make sure you have some good now. So sometimes that means we need a moment to not be brutally focused. You need to paint because you want to paint. You need to cook because right now in this moment you want to cook and there will be time. And yes, you'll put aside time to work on the things that really you are pushing your performance on. But I think my biggest advice for thinking on the long arcs is that you have to keep yourself in the game. And so, I often find that uh, the sort of orthogonal wis- wisdom to all the performance wisdom is have some good now. Um, because again, it is a journey and it's a long journey. And life is yeah. made up of both kinds of things. Yeah. I mean,
0: that's weird, but, well, I think Karen is actually asking a question. Uh, I'll lose the data. doesn't talk and to do more. And also be aware that you need to be open to try experiment. Nothing is easy for these days. <laughs> so you just need to come up. So, uh, right, right? The question ask.
1: Yeah, things are moving very quickly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's the so oh, anyways, um, uh, we had a wonderful discussion, and we learned a lot from you. I, I can see from the comments the, the level of excitement and from the audience the, the, the is quite much, and I'm sure they learned a lot. So what is the best way to reach out to you? Um, uh, you are, you know, uh, they can message you or reach out to you.
1: So, uh, a great place to find me is on LinkedIn and I'm at, uh, Carla Fowler, and we'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. And, um, so if you want to follow along for conversations about performance science, that's where I post them. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to learn more about my coaching practice, my website is a great resource. So that is taxa.com T H A X A.
0: So, okay. you can
1: message me there as well.
0: That's great. I'm going to post uh, your website in the comments. After the show. So, who maybe uh, watching on the replay, they get to know. Of course, I'll post on different There, people can contact you through your website or through your LinkedIn um, profile. So, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing these one of the sites. I'm sure our audience have learned a lot, even I have learned a lot from you, that how to escape uh performance and achieving performance. So uh these fun uh sites and thank
1: you so much